Good morning and welcome. We're grateful for your presence today, thankful for our visitors. As always, we encourage you to come back. We're very glad for the number of visitors that come our way from week to week. If you are looking for a church home, as always, we invite you to consider the work here. We'd love to have you come and join hands with us. I want to express appreciation to Jared for filling in last week. I know he did a great job. Appreciate him preaching in my absence. Today we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 27. I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 27 in verse 1. Solomon said, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Several weeks ago, a friend of mine, close friend of mine, contacted me and informed me that he had been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, throat cancer. He and I have known one another for many, many years. As a matter of fact, when I first began full-time local work, I was the associate preacher and he was the pulpit preacher. And so we have a long history together. And he's been a great, great friend, a great encourager, a mentor. He encouraged me to go to graduate school. He's done so much for me through the years. Not long ago, he texted me and said he wanted me to come over and pick up some books. He said he was going to be getting rid of his library. He wanted me to have first shot at all of his books. And so I called him and we talked. And he said, I'm getting rid of my library. I've dropped out of the Ph.D. program. He already has a doctorate degree, but he's working on a Ph.D. He was all the way down to the dissertation. And he said, I'm going to get rid of my library, and I'm dropping out of the Ph.D. program. I knew something wasn't right. A few days later, I texted him, asked him how he was doing. And he said, call me on Monday if you have time. So I called him. And during the course of our conversation, he said, I asked the doctor, how much time do I have? The doctor said, a year, maybe two. He said, now it may be that you might live a little longer, depending on how your body responds to treatment. But he said, if it were to go south, that is, if things were to turn for the worse, he said, it'll go south quickly. I got to thinking about that. One year, 12 months, 24 months, let's just split the difference. Say somebody told you, say the doctor told you, you've got 18 months to live. What would you do? What would you think about? What would, what would come to your mind? I got to thinking about the brevity of life, what Solomon said. Who knows what a day may bring forth? This friend of mine told me while we were talking on the phone, he said, you know, it's somewhat funny that when I was watching the Super Bowl this past year, I didn't have a care in the world. He said, the very next day I found out I had cancer. How quickly life can change. And so if you were faced 
with the prospect of stepping out of this life as we know it, in the next few months, what would be on your mind? There's some things that I think all of us ought to think about. I want to preface this by saying I know that many, many times we hear about death. We don't like to think about death. I understand that. I don't like to think about death. I like to think about life. But I know that death is a part of life. That all of us, whether we like it or not, whether we come to terms with it or not, we're all terminal. It's just the truth. So in light of that, what would you be thinking about? Here's what we ought to be thinking about. First, we ought to think about our family. You see, all of us will one day, the Lord willing, leave behind family members. A couple of questions come to mind. What kind of example have you been to your family? When people think of you right now, what comes to their mind? One day, the Lord willing, when we're long gone from this earth, our family, our friends, they'll reflect upon our life and there will be things that will come to mind. What about your words? Paul, in writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, said, Let no one despise your youth. But he said, Be an example in word, that is, in what you say. Paul would say, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. All of us have known people that have used foul language and have delighted in gossip and innuendo. and They have slandered the names of so many people. And then the flip side, we know of people that are so gracious and kind. You never hear a negative statement. You never hear anything foul come out of their mouth and then Paul said not only are we to be an example in word but in conduct in love in spirit in faith in purity that has to do with what we do in life our actions when people at some point in time will reflect upon your life. What will they think about your activities? Will they think about you as a faithful Christian? Somebody that lived day in and day out New Testament Christianity? There are people that all of us have known through the years that have been, as we would say, a model of Christian behavior. There are people that I have admired, that I've looked up to, that I've appreciated how they've carried themselves, how they've conducted themselves. And sometimes there are situations in life in which we are embroiled in controversy. There are times when things that are said to us that are inflammatory, and yet there are some who are calm and gracious under pressure. Is that how you'll be thought of? So first we ask the question, what kind of example have you been to your family? A second thing, have you educated your family? 
In other words, because of you, could it be said that your family members know the Lord? Or they know something about the Lord? Do you remember in 2 Timothy chapter 1 when Paul wrote to Timothy? And he talked about the genuine faith that dwelt first in his grandmother Lois. And then he said, in your mother Eunice. And then he went on to say, and I am persuaded in you also. Three generations of people. So you look at the life of Timothy and you think about his godly grandmother, his mother, and how that faith had been passed on in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Paul would say, and that from childhood, from infancy, he said, you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. As a parent, have we done our best to rear our children in the Lord? Will it be said of us that as a mama or a daddy that they taught me Christianity. They taught me about the Lord. Paul said, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. And then he said, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Have you done that? Have you been an example to your family? Have you educated your, your family and the Lord? Have you done your best to leave an impression on their lives? Let me ask you this question. Let's just say hypothetically that your life is going to come to an end in the next few months, as we said a moment ago. How comfortable, how confident are you in your family's spirituality? Are you confident in their relationship to the Lord? Or are you concerned about where they are spiritually? Are you fearful about where they're headed? About what they're doing, about their lifestyle? Let me just say this. If you have family members that aren't where they ought to be, you better get to work. The other night I was talking and I said, you know, one of the things that this friend of mine's cancer has taught me, whatever you're planning to do, you better do it. Because you don't know. You don't know how much time you have. There's a second thing I want to call attention to. First, we think about our family. But then what about our finances? Now you ask the question, why in the world would I need to think about my finances? Well, a couple of reasons. Because first, we all have treasures here on earth, don't we? For some of us, we have a lot of treasures here on earth. And the Bible says that we are stewards of that which we possess. And that which God requires of a steward is that a man be found faithful. Now sometimes folks are entrusted with a lot in this world. And I understand we want to leave our family members an inheritance. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. 
But could I ask you this? Have you thought about leaving the Lord's work some money? That is, have you thought about leaving some of what you have been entrusted here on planet Earth with to the Lord? It's His after all. It belongs to Him. It, you're just using it. Sometimes we leave our family lots of money and lots of things and they have no idea how to use it. And there are opportunities for us to share the gospel with the lost and dying world to do a lot of good. And we don't think about that. I want to encourage you to think about leaving some of what you leave behind to the Lord. Because it's His after all. So, you have treasures here on earth, but what about your treasures in heaven? Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But he said, you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupt nor thieves break through and steal. How much are you sending ahead? We're stewards of that which we possess here on planet earth. What's most important is that we bank in heaven. That we are laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And by the way, when we reach out and do good works with that which God has blessed us with, when we leave behind that which has been entrusted to our care to the work of the church or to some work of the church, then we are laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven, aren't we? So you think about your family. Your finances. What about your faith? If you were told that you had have some terminal illness, wouldn't you begin thinking about your faith, your relationship to God? Do you remember when Isaiah the prophet was told to go to King Hezekiah? And God said to Hezekiah, set your house in order. He said, because you're going to die and not live. Let me tell you what, that'll get anybody's attention. It got his attention. Immediately he turned his face to the wall and he prayed to God. I suspect that's what we would do. What about your faith? Could I ask you a question today? Have you obeyed the gospel? Are you saved? Have you done what the Lord has said to do to become a New Testament Christian? I want you to understand that there's only one way to be saved. There's only one person who can save. That's Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Luke records in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you're going to be saved, you'll have to be saved through the Lord. And you'll have to be saved the Lord's way. What is the Lord's way? Well, first you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The Hebrew writer said without faith, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to Him. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Did you know there are a lot of folks in the world today, if you were to ask them, who do you think Jesus was? They'd say, well, you know what, He was a good guy compassionate, loving, a great teacher, a revolutionist. 
an advocate for the rights of others, on and on and on. But really, what's most important is to understand that Jesus was and is the Son of God. Because Jesus said, except you believe that I am He. In other words, unless you believe that I am, He said, you'll die in your sins. And He said, if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot come. So you've got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And then Jesus also said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. You can't go to heaven without repentance. Repentance is a change of heart, followed by a change in a lifestyle. It's a turn. The Bible says not only must you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, repent of your sins, but you have to confess that Jesus is who He claimed to be. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. In Acts chapter 8, verse 37, the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you believe that? And then to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Faith is important, absolutely important. Repentance, mandatory. Confession, and then baptism. Why are we baptized into Christ? So that our sins can be forgiven, Acts 2, verse 38. So that our sins can be washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. So that we can be placed in the body of Christ, Acts two forty seven. You can't be saved outside the church. And the Bible says Jesus is the Savior of the body. So have you been saved God's way? Second question. If you have been saved, are you steadfast? Paul said, be ye steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. Could I ask you a question? How faithful are you to God? I can't answer that for you. How faithful are you to God? Are you faithful to God's Word? In other words, you're doing your best day in, day out, month in, month out, year in, year out. You're trying your best to live according to this Word. Did you know that John said, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not have the truth. In other words, if we say we're a Christian and we don't live in conformity to this book, he said, look, we're lying. We're lying to ourselves. We're lying to others. Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Are you doing what God said to do? You remember James said, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. It's one thing to say, it's another thing to do. Jesus denounced the scribes and the Pharisees of His day. And He said, because they say and do not, their practice didn't harmonize with their profession. Are you faithful to the Word of God? Let me ask you a second question. Are you faithful to the work of God? How involved are you in the work of the church? How involved are you in the work of the church? What have you done for the cause of Christ over the last 12 months? What have you done since January the 1st? Have you visited anybody? Have you called someone to say, you know what, we missed you? Have you sent someone a card? 
prepared a meal for anyone? Have you gone to the funeral home to express condolences to someone who lost a loved one? To, as Paul said, weep with those that weep. Have you shared the gospel with anyone over the past several months? Is there somebody that you know that ought to be here right now, but they're not, and they haven't been here, not just today, they haven't been here for a long time. What have you done to reach out to them? What have you done to try to get them back? Paul said we've been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. In other words, we're God's masterpiece. What God wants of us is that we engage in good works to His name's honor, glory, and praise. So what are you doing? What are you doing for the cause of Christ in this community? What are you doing for the cause in this congregation? Are you busy? Are you working? Are you doing something? You remember what Jesus asked in Matthew chapter 20 and about verse 6 on one occasion? Why do you stand here all day idle? Matthew chapter 25. He speaks of those who were lazy and wicked servants. Some folks need to get to work. Let me ask a third question. How faithful are you to worship God? Do you see the importance of worship? The psalmist said in the long ago, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Worship affords us the opportunity to bow in the presence of God, to give Him the honor, the homage that He is due. The word worship means acts of reverence paid to deity. You can't worship God if you're not here, corporately speaking. Hebrews 10, 25 says, We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some His. If you knew you had 18 months to live, how often would you be at the services? How often would you come, if you knew you had 18 months to live, would you be here every time the doors open? Would you be involved in the work of the church to the best of your ability and health? Would you spend time in this book that we call the Bible? I bet you would. I bet you'd spend a lot of time in prayer and meditation. I bet you'd spend a lot of time in worship. I bet you'd spend a lot of time as your health allowed you, doing what you could to advance the cause. Why? Because time's running out. Whether you realize it or not, it's running out now. So we talk about our faith. Fourth thing, very quickly. Wouldn't you be thinking about your future? Could I ask you a question today? Are you going to heaven? Are you going to heaven? Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, he said, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Are you on the road leading to heaven? What is that road? It's the straight and narrow road that leads to life, according to Matthew chapter 7. Are you on that road? Are you walking in the light? Are you living for God? Do you know 100% you're going to heaven? Paul did. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
For we know that if the earthly house, this tabernacle, be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made, in ha not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. When he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul was facing death. It was imminent. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being offered. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. That's confidence. Paul knew he was heaven bound. Are you heaven bound? Let me ask you a second question. Are you going to hell? Are you on the road that leads to hell? Yes or no? No middle ground. Either you're on the road that's going to heaven or you're on the road that's going to hell. Are you on that road? Jesus identified it as the broad road that leads to destruction. A lot of folks out here on that road. It may be the case that you're here today and you're on that road. And you know it. And sadly, you haven't done anything about it. Let me tell you what, there'll come a day, there'll come a day you, you will wish you'd made some changes in your life. No reason for any person to go to hell. Hell wasn't prepared for any one of us. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But let me tell you what, there'll be a lot of folks in hell with the devil and his angels. You know why? Because they didn't obey the gospel. Not because God wants them to be lost. Why will they be lost? Because of sin. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. If you're lost, it's not God's fault. Not His at all. So, listen again to what Solomon said. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. In all probability, God willing, we'll wake up and enjoy another day. God willing, we'll all be back here again next Sunday. But it may be the case. Some of us here today won't wake up tomorrow. It may be the case that some of us, like my friend, will hear very shortly our time's coming to a close so if the case is that you're not a Christian I don't know what else I could say to you other than you need to obey the gospel because if you don't obey the gospel you don't have any hope what do you need to do just what we said a moment ago obey the gospel of Christ believe Jesus to be the son of God repent of your sins confess his name be buried with him in baptism if you'll do that God will add you to the church and then you've got to be faithful to his word to his work and to his worship faithful day in and day out if you'll do that as the Lord said I'll give you the crown of life so if you're here today and you're not a Christian, we encourage you to come to Christ. If you're here today and you're not faithful to His cause, let me tell you what. The good news is you can make it right today. You can leave here today back in fellowship with God. We can pray with you and for you. 
And God will abundantly pardon, 1 John 1, 9. Won't you come as we stand and sing?